We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Good snap. Good hold. And the Broncos have come to Buffalo, and they're going to leave with a win, 24-22, to get to 4-5. and five. A record-setting five games ended on Sunday in a walk-off field goal. No NFL week had ever seen five games end with a field goal going through the upright with zeros on the clock. We'll make that record six now because last night's Week 10 finale ended with Will Lutz booting a game-winning field goal after he had missed the previous attempt, but there were 12 men on the field for Buffalo. Uh, The game last night was not pretty. It's not going into Canton, uh, but there were some really interesting strategic and decision-making moments at the end of that game, which I will get to here momentarily. The show is always presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name. They will take very good care of you, including giving you a free estimate. John Keim on the show today. Two segments with John. We'll talk to John about, obviously, the team right now, Sam Howell, Eric Bieniemy. what the hell is wrong with the defense. But we'll also discuss Josh Harris and ownership and you know, where they are right now in what we believe will be a regime change at the end of this season. You know, are they making progress towards that? We'll ask John that uh, coming up uh, starting in the next uh, segment. Um, I do have a Sam Howell question to pose to all of you, but also to myself for uh, an answer here in the opening segment. But I wanted to start real quickly with the Monday night game last night. Because there was an end-of-game situation that was very interesting, and I'll get to that in a moment. But first of all, you know, Denver has won three in a row. They're four and five. It was only a month, month and a half ago, where Denver was thought to be one of the two, three, four worst teams in the league. They allowed 36 points per game. It was a record pace over the first five. Remember, they gave up 35 to Washington and then 70 to Miami. Uh, They appeared to be the worst defense in the history of the NFL. Over the last four games, they're allowing just 16.8 points per game. Man, this NFL, you can never be sure 
of what you think you're seeing and that it's going to be permanent because it does change. 36 points per game over their first five, 16.8 points per game over their last four, and they played in their last two, Buffalo and Kansas City. They've won three in a row, and in those three wins, they've beaten Buffalo and Kansas City. Pretty impressive. Uh, Defenses can improve as the season goes along. Who knew? Maybe something will happen with Washington's uh, defense down the stretch. Um, A couple of things real quickly about this game, including the end-of-game situation. First, the Bills are in big trouble. You know, they needed that game last night. That was a desperate spot for them at 5-4. They are 5-5 now. And what's really troubling if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, they have the – coming up, they have the Eagles – Chiefs, Cowboys, and Dolphins still on their schedule. They also have the Chargers on the road. They have a game with the Jets this Sunday and a game with the Patriots. I think in the AFC, you're going to have to get to 10 minimum. That means they've got to win five out of their final seven. And again, at Eagles, at Chiefs, at Chargers, at Dolphins, and the Cowboys at home. They're in big trouble. They fired their offensive coordinator today, Ken Dorsey. Uh, they had one of the highest scoring offenses and one of the top offenses in the league, and they fired their offensive coordinator, Dorsey. The other thing before I get to the end of game situation that I wanted to mention is Russell Wilson. Uh, he played really well last night. I don't think the box score necessarily would do it justice. He threw for 193 yards. He was 24 of 29. Uh, But Russell Wilson made a lot of big plays in this game, and they were kind of vintage Russell Wilson plays from back in Seattle where he used his legs and he created. And, you know, he had plays where, you know, he was hemmed in and somehow he got out of it enough to just kind of flick the ball, like push it forward for a completion. Uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talked about how much weight he lost in the offseason. I didn't notice it in week two when we played them, uh, but that he had gotten in much better shape and wanted to become more of the playmaker that he had been in Seattle last year, not as much. Uh, I thought Russell Wilson was really good last night. Again, nobody played like a game that you're going to put into Canton, but that's a tough environment. Buffalo was a desperate football team, and in a 15-15 game, uh, he made plays on a touchdown drive that gave him a 21-15 lead. They missed that extra point. And then down 22-21, they took over deep in their own territory, and he made some big, big plays down the stretch. Uh, they got a, a pass interference call that set up um, the first of two field goal attempts, the first one with 12 men on the field. But I just I wanted to mention Russell Wilson. I, I was impressed with him last night. I don't know where this is going for Denver. They're clearly a much better team than they were earlier in the season. They actually have some players on offense. I think Javante Williams is great. They're running back. Uh, by the way, the running back that was with Sam Howell uh, at North Carolina. And Sutton had one of the better touchdown catches you'll see all year. Um, but anyway, let me get to the end of end of game uh, scenario, okay? Because I thought it was really one of those strategic moments that you don't see a lot, and so it starts with you know twenty two twenty one Buffalo, 
and Denver is driving to try to get into field goal range, and they actually get on a third and 10 after a zero-coverage blitz sack, another zero-coverage blitz, and Russell Wilson throws it downfield, and it draws a pass interference. So they're at Buffalo's 17-yard line with 29 seconds to go, uh, and Buffalo has two timeouts left. Denver doesn't have any left, okay? So let me just restate that. 29 seconds to go. Denver's at Buffalo's 17-yard line, down 22-21. So it's a field goal that they're looking for to end the game, hopefully a walk-off field goal. But Buffalo still has two timeouts left. So they take a knee on first and 10. Buffalo immediately calls a timeout. They take a second knee uh, with 25 seconds to go, and Buffalo calls their third and final timeout. And there are 24 seconds left in the game. So it's third down and long. It is at the 20-yard line of Buffalo with 24 seconds to go, and neither team has a timeout left. So Denver wants to kick a walk-off field goal, but Buffalo has prevented that by using their two timeouts. And now the only way they can kick off a true uh, that they can get off a true walk-off field goal is to knee it again and then rush the field goal team out in rush mode and kick it with the clock winding down and hopefully that's you know if it's not the exact final play it's close enough to just a couple of seconds left and they leave Buffalo with no time left. So it was interesting from this standpoint, and that is because it's third down, you can't take a knee and then take a fourth knee, right? On fourth down, you can't take a knee. Um, their plan by starting the taking the knees was, we'll take a knee, we'll wind the clock down to three seconds, we'll take another knee, and we'll send the field goal team out, and they'll kick a game-winning field goal. But Buffalo decided smartly to use their timeouts, And so Buffalo on third down, it was interesting, and I I was sitting there watching this thinking, I think they should snap it to Russell Wilson. He should roll right out of the pocket, and he should throw the ball as far as he can throw it out of the end zone or out of bounds. Burn seven or eight seconds on the play. Send your field goal team out without having to rush the field goal team. Kick a field goal, and when the field goal goes through, there will be like 13 seconds left, 14, 13, 12, something like that. And then if, you know, if Josh Allen from the 25-yard line can complete a massive play down the field out of bounds because they'd need the clock to stop, and they get a field goal team off, you know, a field goal off in that amount of time, so be it. But I'm not going to rush my field goal team out there and have it be one of those fire drill field goal deals. Well, it's not what they did. They took the knee. They took the knee and they went fire drill field goal. Here comes their field goal team rushing out. They, by the way, were so well prepared for this. They had done it at the end of the first half. Ben Kotwika, by the way, is the special teams coach for Denver. Remember him? He was the special teams coach here from 2014 through the 2018 seasons under Jay Gruden. They had done this at the end of the first half. I actually tweeted out, what an impressive, 
you know, fire drill kind of field goal operation that was with no timeouts left, and they got it off just in time. Now, 24 seconds taking the knee, you're going to have enough time to get everybody on, but it's still in rush mode. So they chose to go that route, and they were in rush mode, and Will Lutz missed the kick with about six seconds to go in the game. It was far. It was wide right, 41-yarder. But Buffalo, also in field goal rush, you know, defensively mode, they had 12 men on the field. I, I, I've thought about this uh, uh, several different ways. Um, one of the things that I, that I thought of is that it may have been smarter for uh, for McDermott, Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, to not call those timeouts so quickly. Um, or not to call his last time out so quickly, but after the second down kneel, take it down to like 16 or 17 seconds and call the timeout rather than calling it with 24. Because at that point, then Buffalo is going to have to probably decide to kick the field goal on that play or take you know the, the snap, run around, throw it through the back of the end zone. But when you do that, you're also risking a penalty which would come with a 10-second runoff. You know, a lot of things can happen. So I did think maybe McDermott should have called the timeout with like 17 seconds left instead of 24. And then Denver would have thought, do we really want to take a knee and try to barely get this kickoff? No. They would have probably kicked it right then and there, and Buffalo would have gotten the ball back with 13 seconds to go. But anyway, it was an interesting – I don't think I've seen a situation like that at the end of a game where both teams are out of timeouts, one team's down to their final down before a fourth down kick, and you know the clock's going to be tight. Well, the bottom line is they rushed him and he missed, but they also rushed Buffalo and they had 12 men on the field. And then when they were able to calm down after the 12 men on the field and a shorter kick, he drilled it through the uprights. Interesting situation. I don't know, maybe to me, not to you guys. Uh Denver 4 and 5 Buffalo in big trouble right now at 5 and 5. This quick um tweet that I wanted to read um it came from Dave. Dave wrote, "For the reasons you stated, I agree with you that it was correct not to go for two at the end of the game." We're talking about Washington Seattle. But there's another reason not mentioned. Even if Washington were successful on a two-point PAT, this would have enabled Seattle to use all four downs throughout their final drive. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned that. That's a really good point, Dave. It's a part of it, too. I never considered that they would go for two when Deami Brown scored with 52 seconds left. I think it would have been 100% the wrong decision. Um, Seattle had timeouts left. Washington only had one. And therefore, you know, you're, you're putting the game essentially on that one play, a less than 50-50 play, because if you miss, it is game over. If you make it, it's not game over. As I described yesterday with Tommy on the show, going for two with 52 seconds left is going for the lead. It's not going for the win. Um, anyway, but to your point, Dave, the other part of it is, if you are successful in making the two-point conversion, Seattle now has to use all four downs because they can't punt it. Now, they didn't need four downs anyway, but the point is if it's a tie game and you get off the field on that third and four 
instead of allow DK Metcalf to be open on that slant for that big play, well, they're going to punt it on fourth down. They're not going to go for it on fourth down. So uh, excellent point. Really appreciate that. Um, From Jason on Twitter, Sheehan, who cares if Hal's played one more game than everybody else? He's leading the league in passing yards. Stop picking nits. That was funny. Um, I appreciate the uh, the tweet. You can follow me on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC. Yeah, all I said yesterday, um, and I think I said this with Tommy. I know I said it on the radio show. I just pointed out that yes, Sam is leading the league in passing yards. However. There are several quarterbacks right below him who have played one less game. C.J. Stroud is exactly 157 yards behind Sam Howell, but he's only played nine games. So it's average yards passing per game that you want to look at when you have you know teams that have their bye weeks at different times and don't have the same number of games played. In that particular category, Sam, it's still impressive, but his 278.3 yards per game passing number is fifth in the league behind, you know, four quarter, three quarterbacks who have played nine games. And actually, believe it or not, Cousins, you know who, who played eight games before he tore, before he tore his Achilles uh, in terms of average uh, passing yards per game is second in the league behind Stroud. Um, I think some of the frustration from some of you, I guess, was – you know, don't talk about C.J. Stroud as an MVP candidate and not mention our guy. Our guy's leading the league in passing yardage. Yeah, he is. C.J. Stroud, if you're just looking at the numbers, C.J. Stroud's having a better year than Sam Howell. It's okay. I mean, Sam Howell's having a really good season and an unbelievable stretch of three games in a row, as we've talked about, 1,260 passing yards in the last three weeks. I mean, eight touchdowns, um, you know, an incredible completion percentage, you know, 69-plus percent. But um, in terms of the the year Stroud is having, uh, Stroud right now is, you know, Sam's QBR number uh, is still 21st in the league at 47.5. Now, a lot of that has to do with the Buffalo game and the Giant game and the games before that came before the last three with all of the sacks. C.J. Stroud's QBR is 63.3. C.J. Stroud's got 15 touchdowns, two picks. Sam's got 17 touchdowns, nine picks. You know, Sam right now in terms of touchdown passes is tied for fifth in the league with 17. And he's been excellent. I mean, I'm not knocking Sam at all. I mean, if you've been listening to this, you know, show over the last three weeks, I have gone, you know, all in on Sam's performances here over the last three weeks, which leads me to this. And then we'll get to John Kine. So I did this on radio this morning where I basically said, look, where are you in Sam Howell? Are you all in or... Are you still thinking that if we get to April and we've got like a top 10 to top 15 pick and it's a it's a quarterback-rich draft right now with the likes of Caleb Williams and Drake May and Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix Jr., um, you know, right now, like the latest order has basically Caleb Williams one, Drake May two, and then now you see Jaden Daniels kind of moving ahead of Penix Jr. in a lot of the mock drafts. Um, you know, we've got a lot of flip-flopping to go between now and April, but I just asked the question on, you know, do you even need to think that come April 
you'll be looking at quarterbacks. And we put that out as a poll question. Um, you know, if they end up in the top half of the draft, should they target a quarterback? 90.2% at this point, no. And we took calls in the, the 90% of the calls. We got our guy. We know it already after 10 games this year, 11 overall. So I'm going to ask, you know, John what he thinks, you know, when he comes on. My answer to this question as to whether or not, you know, we know we've got him. You know, it's it's over. We got our quarterback. We're good. Forget the draft. The draft should be about adding a an offensive lineman or, you know, a Brock Bowers, the tight end from Georgia. Can you imagine that guy on this team? Um, that would be fun. Uh, my position hasn't changed with respect to the long term. Clearly, if you've been listening, you know how promising I think the last three weeks have been and how the trend is his friend. Like, it has been really, really high-level quarterbacking the last three games. I mean, I think I've graded him out as an A-minus for all three games. Biennemi, I give a lot of credit to Biennemi. I love what they've done with Sam in terms of getting him into a style of play that I think suits him. Um, and I am looking forward to Sam against Dallas, against San Francisco, against the Jets, you know, and I hope these games are meaningful games somehow for Washington, like they're still mathematically alive, because those will be the three best defenses they have faced. These last three games against the Eagles, Patriots, and Sunday against Seattle are not against, you know, at this point, yeah, Philadelphia included, top flight defenses. They're not this year. You know, in New England's, they caught, you know, the week after, you know, an injury to their best defensive player. So I am looking forward to, like, the Thanksgiving Day game against Dallas. They're a bona fide top 10 defense. Jets, 49ers down the road. Um, but, you know, I I, I want to see the rest of it. I Like I said yesterday, three weeks in a row is great, and it is a good trend, and it is starting to speak to some level of consistency. But that Giant game was still only three weeks ago. You know, that Buffalo game was only two months ago or a month and a half ago or whatever it was. Um, but, yeah, you know, the good news, as I've said multiple times, we don't have to make up our minds today. I'm not going to make up my mind, but I have been very, very impressed with Sam Howell over the last three games. And I think one of the real, you know, th- like – the personality part of it, the work ethic part of it, the loving football part of it, the coachability part of it, we know we have that. We've known that for a while. Everybody has said that about him. Um, the physical tools he's had, like that was never a question. Like, you know, the, the I, you know, I had somebody, I think, on radio this morning say to me, you know, you keep kind of talking about the character and the gamer and the gritty like he's Taylor Heineke. No, 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 please. You guys know, and that's not a fair thing. I've said all along, there's not a comparison between Sam Howell's physical abilities and Taylor Heineke's. You know, we'll see if he's got the rest of it when they start playing actual games, but he's got a much better arm than Taylor Heineke. He is a better physical prospect, much more so than Taylor Heineke. And we've seen a lot of that play out, for sure. Would I love if he were 6'3 instead of 6 feet? Yes. True. I think that's actually that may be one of the reasons that right now he's not, you know, super comfortable or super successful as a pure dropback in the pocket quarterback. 
He's much better, uh, as we've seen the last three weeks, in quick game and getting outside the pocket. But, man, just the last couple of games, whew, really impressive. And the off-schedule, the creativity, the plays that he's made outside of the pocket, phenomenal. Um, but, no, I am still today um, in that mode of paying attention to the quarterbacks in the draft because there were a couple on Saturday, Jaden Daniels, number one, he had one of the great performances I think I've ever seen by a college quarterback. And I've been saying this all year about LSU and about him in particular. It's the best offense that I've seen all year. It's the best quarterback that I've seen all year. And there have been good ones. I mean, Caleb Williams, clearly, Drake May. Uh, Penix Jr. throws about as good a deep ball as anybody uh, that'll be in the draft. Bo Nix has been spectacular. Quinn Ewers at times has been really, really good. Um, but Daniels, for me, like just the thought of him being there at, say, 15 or 14 or 13 or 12 where Washington picks today before Sam plays these final seven games, yeah, I would be still interested in him and in the draft. Or maybe Caleb Williams with a trade-up. Or Drake May if he slipped a little bit. Who knows? But it's certainly been fun to watch in the last three weeks, and I can't wait to watch the final seven games. There you go. John Kime next after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply.
This segment of the show is brought to you by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name, Kevin Sheehan. They'll give you a free estimate right now. Five years, interest-free, plus buy two, get two free. Uh, That's half price on windows. Uh, Winter is coming, as Ned Stark once said uh, many years ago in my favorite all-time show, Game of Thrones. And it is coming. It's going to be a cold Thanksgiving. That's in the forecast. And it's going to be a cold and snowy winter, according to all of the forecasters. If you've got older windows, if you've got older windows, he said, Call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. You'll save big on your energy savings, and uh, you'll save big on windows. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Jumping on with me right now is one of my favorite people to have conversations with about a lot of different things. Oh, boy, if you could have heard the conversation (laughs) before we started to record this podcast. Uh, John Keim uh, is with me, John underscore Keim on Twitter. So I'm going to start with just this. Is anybody getting fired before the end of the season? And when I say the end of the season, maybe they'll do something with a game left to get a head start on the new hires. But do you see anything happening between now and, say, January 1? At this point, Kevin, I do not. Because I don't see what you do if you make that kind of a move. And, you know, we were always told that Rivera would get the year that Josh Harris wants to, to see, give him, give him a year. And especially like if you know, if you're Josh Harris, we can all look at things and say, it's not looking good right now. But what Josh Harris knows also, and I'm sure he's got a lot of opinions right now or thoughts, but he also knows that, well, in the last couple of years, each year they go on this little run. Can they do that again? So I think you're going to wait to see that, and then at that point, if it doesn't happen, you only got a couple games left. Like, what's the point at that point? Is it just to kind of give fans some satisfaction? That doesn't really help anything here. I think the other question then is, if you did it now, so but my point is, like, I think he wants to give him a year to measure him to measure Rivera under his terms, not under what happened under Dan Snyder, because as we know. There's a lot of crazy stuff, and you can we can sit there and pick apart the coaches. They didn't win. I get all that, and and that's why they're in a the spot where they have to win now. But if you're Josh Harris, what you know is that that other owner was crazy and not a good person to work, not a not an easy person to work for, not a productive person to work for. So why would you only measure him under that prism when you haven't when he hasn't worked for you? So I think you wanted to give him the year for that. So that's one part of it. And then I think the other part of it, who would take over? Because, <clears throat> you know, I know like there's a, oh, well, let Eric be enemy. Well, you're, first of all, if you really want the enemy to be a head coach, it, most of the time, 90% of the time at least, an interim coach is not going to make it. And, you know, good for Antonio Pierce for what he's doing out in, Oakland, out in uh, excuse me, Las Vegas. Um, but that doesn't always happen. That rarely happens, right? And, and you know, shoot, Rich Passaccio did a good job with the Raiders, did not get the job afterwards. And if you want the enemy to get that job, I think the best way for him to do that is to stay as an offensive coordinator and prove what he can do there. And if you think he's good for Howell's development, that's where you want him to stay because that's where he, that's where he'd be best served in that, in that role. So then who takes over? So I think that's also part of it is, is that aspect. So I think it's all of those things tied together. So no, I do not expect anything. But here's the other part. Like if they, if they lose the next four games, 
who the heck knows, right? And, uh, you know, at that point... Well, especially you, you if want, they were to actually what, lose who, to the Giants, a team that yeah, is clearly not Giants, interested like, yeah. in winning, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're losing the, to, to, you know, That's, yeah. to Tommy DeVito and in, in that, in that, like, then, you know, what are you going to do? But I don't see anything... Yeah. Because I just don't know. I don't think that's what they – I don't. I know that's not what they want to do. You know, you, you actually brought up uh, – I don't think you – I don't think this is what you would bet on, but you actually brought up that, you know, the patience also includes seeing what he can do and seeing if he can make a run. But I would ask you to what end. Like, you don't think that there's any chance that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio and this coaching staff are going to be back next year, do you? I don't. I think it, clearly it's a long shot now, and I would also think. Listen, I think if you, it certainly is a long shot. So it's. I mean, I'll just say it certainly not doesn't. I mean, doesn't barring feel a like Super Bowl, barring right. an NFC right. Championship or Super Bowl run, would, which yeah. Right. I think it would take a lot. And now, could I see? Could you see? Like, are there ways you can parcel that out? If you say, like, okay, let's say they let's say they get hot and they win nine games and they win a playoff game. And Sam Howell looks like the guy. But what we know is Josh Harris likes a general manager in charge and then the coach, right? That's the way he prefers the setup. So would they do something even in that way? And then would you say, okay, you got the, the offensive side right. What about the defensive side? Because the defensive side isn't fixed, then that's all part of the equation too. So I, I think it's, you know, they certainly are very much um, at this point, you'd have to say a long shot. And, you know, unless they turn around, and the problem is, like, while the offense looks like they're improving, the defense is not. And so that's, that's a big part of the problem. So, and, you know, and the big plays allowed. I mean, that hasn't changed. And do you think it's going to change? Because if it doesn't, you're playing good teams coming up, and it's going to be a big problem. So, I, you know, it's clearly it's, it's a long shot. At this point. I mean, we're going to get to the conversation of the moment right now, which also is part of the conversation of the future, which is Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy, et cetera. But I just want one more on sort of the big picture on fast-forwarding forwarding to, you know, January, whatever, after the, the season finale. Are you hearing any names on GMs, coaches, but GMs first, and taking it back a step, is there somebody that you think is advising Harris right now on the candidates or that pool of candidates that he should be putting together to interview once the season ends? All right, so I don't know. who I haven't heard any names because for my purposes, what I have to do right now, it just, it's I have too many other things to, to go down right now right. To, to start. To, and, and I also think, you know, like, shoot, if they beat Seattle, which was a very realistic possibility, and a couple plays, and you've got that, now you're 5-5, five and five, and now things look a little bit different. The possibilities look different, yeah. right? And and so, you know, if you're Harris, you're, I don't think you're going to want that stuff out, but even though we've, you know, the whole goofy trading picks for Bill Belichick thing, like, come on. Um, but, so I don't know what they've done. Is somebody advising them? there's no way a guy like that who has experienced professional leagues doesn't already have a list of people. Listen, if, if he wasn't, if he wasn't, you know, they've had this in the past. There've been times in the past where like, I know that they have the list of possibilities just in case. They, most times you have, right. It's like, that wouldn't be, that would not be unusual at all because you have to plan for it. You, you can't, you can't get to, 
the end of end of December and say, okay, well, it looks like we're not going to keep him now. What? This guy has not made his money by being unprepared. So you know that's nobody has told me specifically. Though I know that he's talking to people. You know, and I know that whether about what you know about the NFL, about being an owner, about you know analyzing things. So whether it's just specifically about this, I don't know. But like, I can't imagine that it's that it's not happening. It, it has to be happening. How? Yeah. How is it not? I mean, plus, so, so, yeah. I mean, he's a sports guy. He owns sports teams. He was a minority shareholder in the Steelers. He's got to have right. a person or a group of people yeah. saying, "Here's the direction you go in in creating the pool of candidates for I, the, the the person that's going to be." Because I do think, you know, based on what I've heard, that they are going to go in that direction, which is hiring a lead football no. person slash GM yeah. to to yeah, to part, to yeah. go that route. Yeah. Right. Which will be I nice. mean, that's, that's, listen, he's on record as saying that his, his setup is GM, then get then yep. hire the coach. Yep. So that, and that's what he's done with the Devils. It's what he did with the 76ers. It's what he's ultimately going to do here. Um, so, yes, I do think that there are people, because sometimes you may have people who call you or text you and ask you a question, like, why, why are you asking me that? And it doesn't have to be about anything, you know, not specifically about this, but about some other things like, okay, is this somebody who's doing some quote unquote investigative work for the owner? I don't know. And I, it's one of those like, you know, they probably wouldn't tell you anyways. And so that's fine. But, um, so I, I mean, you have to be, you have to be prepared again. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but you have to at least yeah. be ready for the possibility. And if you're not, you're doing a disservice to your franchise, and I don't think that's what this guy is going to do. And you know, I, you know, I mean, he knows people in the league, right? And so, and he knows. I mean, he knows. He's a sports guy. He knows what leadership looks like. He knows yep. what he's looking for in the people that he's hiring to lead his team. And so that's all. So, like, I don't doubt for a second that he's got. You know, you again, you have to be prepared because. Let's you know because the worst the worst thing you do is you tear up the list if these guys win six in a row, right? All right, so <laughs> well, you didn't need it. I think it's got to be more than six in a row because six in a row doesn't take you to the end of the regular season. Um, but I don't think they're going to win well, six you know in a row. Saying, I know, I know, like, I know. Of course, it, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, all right, let's talk about the team. So, where are you on Sam Howell? Have you decided? <clears throat> I mean, I've always thought the kid could be good. I mean, uh, going into the season, just. Some of the stuff that I liked about him, I always felt translated well. And I go back, you know, we were talking off the air about Kirk Cousins. I go back to Cousins. They're don't, not the same don't tell people. Don't tell people that off the air we were talking about Kirk Cousins. You know how much that <laughs> triggers people. Why did you do that? I'm going to have to edit this out. No, that. I won't. I, All right, keep going. <laughs> yeah, well, um, that's Kevin Sheehan, S H. By the way, I didn't. I don't think I brought him up. I think you brought him up. No, we were just talking about, and, and just so people know, it was about like it's a shame the guy got hurt. So yeah, that, but that's well, what it was. That, he's playing well, really we were, well. We were talking so, about some other things too, but anyway, yeah. go ahead. Well, that, but that was the primary. Thing. Okay. Anyways, yeah. but yeah. my point, my point in that is, it's, they're different style of quarterbacks. But what I always liked about Cousins, he's very, and they're again, they're different people too. But Cousins was like he's always studying. He's very smart. He had, you know, he had. A, he has a, the coaches like love his arm talent because it's quick twitch, right? And not that he has a cannon arm, but it's a quick twitch arm. Quick, you see it, boom, go. 
And Howell has some traits where, like, okay, he's, they're tough, right? And Howell's got the toughness. He works his ass off. And, and he studies a lot. He's a big-time studier, and he's got really good leadership skills without trying to be a leader. People just want to follow him. And so if you look at, like, what, how does a guy go from, like, a mid-round pick to becoming a quality NFL starter? And, like, I look over, okay, that's what he did. This guy's got some of that stuff in him. So I thought, like, going into the year, that my question was, like, I think, he can, I think he's a starter in this league. The question is, to what level? That's what we didn't know. And so, you know, the sacks early on especially were, are, were a major problem. And, if, you know, right last three games, they've, they've done a great job. He's done a great job getting rid of the ball doing all those things and, and limiting it at because history shows if your sack rate is at a certain percentage, it's going to be tough to have a long career. Right. Productive NFL passers, even if they're sacked a lot, their sack percentage is not nearly as high as what his had been in those first seven games. A lot in, definitely on him, definitely on scheme, definitely on, on protection. So it's a mixed bag. But the bottom line, it was too, way too high and better lately. So I think over the last several weeks, we've seen the growth in two is he's become a really good playmaker. And, you know, and I think what I like is that he doesn't let the rush, he hasn't let the rush disturb his game. And there are sometimes I think like he might check down a little bit early now, but, it, but it's not all the time. It's not the John Beck versus the 49ers, Roy Hulu 75 passes. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's like, okay, there's a play the other day. I was just watching it before we were talking, and it was like, okay, McLaurin's probably open here. You probably could have forced that, not even forced it, you could have gotten that in there. But you're starting to feel the rush a little bit, so you check it down, you get three yards, you live for the next down. I'm okay. You know, I, I mean, there were a couple times like that, but it's not consistent like that. He does look to make plays, and I think that's a hard thing to, to instill in a quarterback. So I love that he has that. So I, I like him. I mean, I had, if they said we're going to, if they said we're going to build around him for next year, regardless of the coaches, I'm like, that's fine with me because I think the kid can play. You know, I do think, I, I want to see how it looks the rest of the year. You're facing some really good teams and pass rushers coming up. I think that's going to be a tremendous test for them in a, in, a good, in a good way because I think you can learn a lot more about him and the direction of all this. And um, so I, I like where he's at. Like, I, I mean, <clears throat> I do think, again, limit the sacks. If he continues to do that, then I think he can be a solid starter in the NFL. How much credit for this three-week run, which has been, you know, the only three-week run, the consistency of his season here in 2023, have been the last three games? You know, the Eagles game, the Patriots game, and the Seahawks game. How much credit for the reduction of sacks, for just the overall performance, do you give to Eric Bieniemy? I think it, it certainly plays a part in there because there have been some times where I think some of the things that, that they were hoping to see early in the Giants game, you're seeing a little bit earlier now. Some, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't even say it's more caution routes. I think there's some built-in, um, as Ron Rivera likes to say, the extended handoff. And maybe a little bit more of those. Um, but I also, you know, so I think there, that's definitely part of it. And it does seem like, it does seem like at times where it feels like and I have to go back and watch in some of these games, like, okay, there are some built-in answers here, right? Um, or just like you know where your checkdowns are better. And is that because... Def- definitely that compared to, say, yeah. the Giants game as an example. Correct. Yeah. And, I think, and I think that, you know, so I think that that's... I think the enemy has to be a part of that because he's the offensive coordinator. I think if I'm going to say sometimes... And not, if, if you're putting him in a position where you think, like, you're not helping the kid here 
Well, I think you can't just say he he's, doesn't get any credit, because I think he does. Definitely think he does. I think the game plans have been good. But I, I, think, I think, you know, I, you look at the change inside with Larson and Chris Paul, is that a tremendous change? Like, I think Larson is, I think they've been a little bit more stout at times. Not, I don't think they're perfect by any means. I just think that Larson has been more stout inside, which helps form a better pocket for a guy who's six foot one. And I think with the interior, you need that for him. Because, you know, again, they, I heard a lot about the Drew Brees model in, in New Orleans and, and how, you, you know, they built that with strong interior play because of his size. It gives them a better chance to, to be in the pocket and with vision. And I think that he's getting that. I also think, Kevin, especially last week, I felt like, and sometimes it leads him getting out of the pocket early, but I feel like he's feeling and sensing the pressure and seeing it better than he was early in the year. And he's, he's ready to react quicker. And there were times early in the year, like, I didn't feel like he was ready to react from it. So he may take a certain stance and maybe not be ready to get out of there. Like he, you know, maybe it was like in Carolina, you're like, okay, this opening here, I can get through there because in college I did. Then you find out in the NFL, you can't, right? Because they're quick and they're fast. But I feel like he's a little bit quicker to, to recognize this, which then helps him avoid it. And I think he did a good job of that um, the last couple games of avoiding sacks just with his reaction time, how quickly he's getting to maybe a second read or to the checkdowns to avoid stuff. So I think it's, it's always a combination of things, and it was a combination before, but I do think a lot of it was, okay, he's a young quarterback. And you have a line that was, certainly was not very good, but you, you had a line like that, which maybe for a veteran quarterback would have been okay because they're going to go through the progressions faster, blah, blah, blah. But for him, he needed more. He needed better. And I think they, they certainly know that now. Um, but So I think there's a combo effort, but I do give Howell himself a lot of credit because some of the big plays that have happened the last couple weeks, those are off like, those are, you know, more off schedule. So, yeah, no, you know, he's been terrific off so, schedule. Yeah. Last two games so, in particular. But, yeah. but I do think, like I said, I do think you have to give the enemy credit because he's the one, there, I think there have been some times where They've gotten into a better rhythm with things. Um, so, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the last three games in particular coming off that giant game, the emphasis on the quick game, especially early, and yep. getting him into a rhythm yep. and getting him confident yep. and putting a defense a little bit on its heels a little bit has really been beneficial. It's funny because I've mentioned this, and you know, I don't want anybody to think that this is a defense of Ron Rivera because I have not defended Ron Rivera other than for you know the leader he appears to be in the likability factor with people in football um, because I don't think he's done a great job coaching this team here the last couple of years. But, you know, I think after that Buffalo game, um, I'm pretty much sure I, that, I, that I know, and I think you do too, that he said we, we can't continue to, to do this. It's almost hard to evaluate him if he's going to get sacked right. at this ridiculous right. rate. We've got to come right. up with a way to get the ball out quicker. And I, I, I give Biennemi some credit for that. I mean, of you course, know, yeah. yeah. And Ron probably yeah. gets some credit for that, too. Oh, definitely. And because things like that, like in the past, when he says stuff like that, it, yes. you know, in the past it was always with Scott Turner. It was, you know, oh, we need to get back to doing this. And that meant running the ball. And then next week you'd see a lot more run. Yeah. And with, right. with the enemy, it's not – he doesn't say that with the enemy, but that is the part like finding ways to protect him. If you're going to, like, again, if you're going to call a lot of passes, you have to find ways to protect this kid. 
mean, they've thrown as many passes out of five-man protections more than anybody, I think. And that's Kansas City style, too. But you have Patrick Mahomes. And so, like, they do chip a lot on the edges. Um, but that's why, like, the, 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 the reason they made the change after New York is because the protection calls kept breaking down. And, and then, you know, Nick Gates, that's, that's on the center. That's partly on the center, you know, cause, yeah. because Sam Howell has a role in that, too. Uh, but it's a lot on the center, and especially up front. And then um, but I think the stoutness, for lack of a better word, with Larson, who weighs about 30 pounds more than Gates, that also, that also matters. And not that, you know, that neither, you know, Larson's not some all-pro center and, and Nick Gates is not so all, but you have to at least be able to do, give something, and that's what Larson has given them. And I don't even know, like, how he grayed out. I just know that the pockets in the interior, but there were sometimes against, like, Philadelphia, Philadelphia has a kind of an undisciplined pass rush, and they leave gaps, and they, they consistently did that. But like last week, there were times where they did a pretty good job against the interior, and and if the ends are up, then it gives Hull a chance to find a gap and get out of there, and he's done that. And going back to like the sometimes the scheme, like there are plays where there was a play the other day where um, there's a too deep look, and you had. McLaurin breaking on a deep post, and it's there. But one of the guards, I think it may have been Cosby, was getting shoved back, and so I don't know if Howell could see it. Yeah. Or if he could buy enough time to see it. And they had a concept where, like, Samuel's running across or taking the other safety's vision away, so it's going to be there. But the safety's getting pushed back. So, like, so then while Howell improvised on the play, the initial concept was really good. It's just that the protection didn't help him. He wasn't sacked. And he, I think they end up with the, either, I think there's something to Gibson, I think, but it was there. The concept was good. And so you have to, like, just because the play didn't end up that way, you look at the concept, too, and evaluate it, and it was good. Yeah, I think, actually, it's funny. Um, I, I took a call on this during the radio show, and this is, you know, you just mentioned something that, that made me uh, think of it, and that is, it's okay if Sam Howell turns out to be a true West Coast distributor quarterback. We've seen a lot more of that over the last three games, and he's had the most consistent performances of the season. And there are, you know, the pure drop, and I'm talking about, you know, third down and long dropbacks, not first down, first and 10 play action, five step seven. That's, That's different, especially if you've already established some of the quick game stuff, and we've seen that over the last couple of weeks. It's very possible that he won't be a great in the pocket, you know, pure drop back quarterback. I'm, he's not good at that right now. I think we can all agree that's not his strength right now. It doesn't mean that he won't get better at it, but it, it I think there's people that get hung up on the way they're, you know, the pass run ratio, the number of quick game throws, you know, it was 30 to, to 17 on on uh, on Sunday. I went back and, and looked at all of them. Of the 47 that were called, 30 were quick game screens, sprint outs, whatever, mm-hmm. and the 17 pure dropbacks were a mix of some of the first and 10 take a shot off play action right. with more max protect, but it's okay if he ends up... Joe Montana was a pure West Coast quarterback. Now, eventually you got to be able to throw from the pocket on third and long, understood. But it's okay if that's how he ends up being very successful. Um, I, I hope that people understand there shouldn't be pushback to that style oh. of quarterback. 
no, there shouldn't be, and because he's shown that he can make plays like that. I mean, yeah. most of the big plays the last two weeks have come off of that ability. Yeah, and so I think you know you have to, right? but that's why you have to build a strong interior. As much as anything, I think a strong interior wall for him. Yeah. So that way, like you know, obviously you want a good offensive, you want good linemen everywhere, but for his style. And I think, like, you know, now if you're an end, a defensive end, you can always compensate for that. Like, if you're getting upfield and they're not getting penetration side, now he's got places to go. And he can still maintain vision. He can still kind of slide a little bit and maintain the vision or, or see something, right? And so, you know, he, he definitely has to learn in the pocket. There are sometimes some of the movement can be really good. And then sometimes it's like, you, you know, this is where it's like this is, becomes instinctual. And the throw he had to McLaurin last week where he slides in the pocket to the left, but he's sliding into pressure. Now he makes a hell of a throw, but he's tripping over. He's almost tripping on his guy, but he makes a hell of a throw. And so, like, that's where it's like, yeah, you don't have to move quite that much. But that's like, it becomes like an individual play-by-play coaching basis for him. But there are so many, there are a lot of things that you just can't coach. Like, who can coach that, okay, you have a blitzer coming here, step up, Tuck the ball, look downfield, and then flip a sidearm throw to the running back. Oh God, two. that was my you favorite. I mean? That was my favorite throw of the oh, game. It, it is. Uh, it was phenomenal because yeah. I mean, so like there are times he where, actually didn't. Even, he actually didn't even step up. He stepped to the left a little to bit to get Correct. his right. arm to an right. angle right. where he could flick it out there thirty yards touch, to Gibson. Starts, it was he, great. But he starts to tuck. He starts to tuck the ball, and you know. I remember back in the day, Robert was a running quarterback, and there were times he would tuck the ball and drop his eyes 10 yards in the backfield. Yeah. And that's something that he said he had to work on. They wanted to work on it because you know that the, the goal is keep the play alive. And if you notice, because of Howell's ability to run, what are people doing? Both, both those times, like the passes Robinson, they're coming up at him because they're afraid of what he said. He, he's not Lamar Jackson. But he can run and he can hurt you with his legs. So like then, it, and then now you've got Robinson right there. So now you know he can do that. Are you going to stay back? If so, he'll just run. And and so I I just I like that ability from him. And just I, I have a story coming out later this week about some of this stuff. But like I was talking to was it Kurt Warner maybe about this and just the ability to basically not feel the rush, but also to stand there and and be able to be aggressive down the field. Like guys who are quarterbacks, they, they, uh, you hear that a lot from them, that, that ability. He has that. He's willing to be that guy. You know, I mean, the throw to Deami Brown late in the game was terrific. Now, having said that, if he could have probably hit him in rhythm on that play, but it would have, and it would have been at like maybe the 10-yard line, wouldn't have been a touchdown because it most likely, but in rhythm, he probably could have had him. And in, in hindsight, it may have burned more clock and you don't, you go into overtime. Yeah. Or whatever, um, but but it was like you know, but he is willing to make certain throws, and you know I joke about John Beck, but like we saw what happened to a guy, and just a pedestrian quarterback like John Beck, ten sacks against Buffalo the next week, thirteen passes to the running back. Yeah. You do not see that with Howell. You see the guy still playing his game, and I love that because it shows you that he hasn't altered who he is as a quarterback. He's not letting he didn't let it get to him. And so I think that's where I'm like, now build, you know, I want to see more, like build the wall in front of him and give him a more of a chance, give him some more, 
you know, I say weapons, everybody wants a lot of weapons, but a more diverse cast of weapons. You're, you know, get another, get a younger tight end here who can really move, you know, things like that, that you can, you know, I'm sure they'll do that in the offseason, regardless of who's here, just to give him more opportunity, you know, give him more because he can, he has shown that he has that. Guys like playing with him, you know? I mean, they liked, they liked Heineke, but they recognized his limitations. They yeah. knew that, you know, they knew what they were yeah, with him. Of course. They knew what he was, but they liked him. But they understood the limitations. Yeah, th- this is this is Howell, a different physical uh, being. Correct. Than, and with how I yeah. think you, they they realize like this kid can play, and they like blocking. They like who he is. He's he's a natural. He's a leader without trying to be a leader. Yeah, I'm looking at on the all twenty two the the Deami Brown thing, and um, <laughs> I mentioned yesterday on my recap that. It was a, a a situation for Seattle. One of the reasons he had the time that he had is they really weren't they weren't contained um, rush mode. Yeah. They did not they, yeah. they didn't want him to get out of the pocket and make a play. Uh, they were very much in sort of a contained rush with four. It was actually borderline three kind of people rushing because one was really in contained. But he had a chance. You're right to hit to hit Diami in stride yeah. out of his break. Yeah. Um, it may not have scored on that, and, and it may have been no. a, worked to their benefit because they could have. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, That's what um, I'm saying. right, right. Then the two point conversion attempt would have been more of a conversation versus. Yeah. Okay, you would have lost by two instead of three, but um, but yes, and so but the point is like he did have that, but he stayed with it. Now what I like about him too, and I do think even on that one, like yeah, he could have had it. He had four four seconds to throw, so yes, they're in uh, contained. We've seen teams still get home on those situations before. True, and I like th- I like that he maintains. There's a calmness to him when he plays, and yeah. I and I like that. Oh, there's, love it. You know, you, yeah. And so I, that's why, like, you add all that up, and like, yeah. I mean, the only the only way the only way I'd say no is like if some let's say they end up making a change and new coach comes in and they have a shot at a guy that this guy loves in the in the draft. I don't know who that would be. But and I don't think they're going to have that shot. But you know, is there is that what you do? I don't. I mean, I don't think you have to because he has shown that. Like, okay, see where it goes. He's a, and if it doesn't work in the next year, you can get someone else. But then you, but like build, build up that line. Yeah, you know, I mean, some stoutness in there. I mean, I talked a little bit about it in in the open. Uh, my position is this: I. I'm there's so much that's promising the last three weeks, but we're also three weeks removed from a pretty wretched game and a month and a half removed from one that was even worse than that, you know, against Buffalo and, and 11 or 10 games, you know, this year is a small sample size. The good news is they don't have to make a decision today. We don't have to declare our, our, our position today, seven more games. And I think you said this, and I emphasize this yesterday, Yesterday, which is one of the reasons I was upset that they actually lost this game. I think it's just going to be a better measure of him if these games matter down the stretch mathematically to a playoff berth. Sure. Um, it just, that's that's it, a good point. Yeah, it's just a better way. If they're playing the last three or four, 
uh, completely out of contention. And now it's like, all right, well, let's see what Chris Rodriguez looks like more. Let's see what, let's try some young players in spots. You're not getting the full experience. Doesn't mean that you can't evaluate them, but it's just, it's kind of like the Dallas game was for me at the end of last year. You know, it was not a, it wasn't a game they had to win. I want them to play in games they have to win. I think it's a better yeah, measure. And, and, yeah, and I think that's I think that's a, the good point. I do think that if they came down to, it, I think they're going to play who they're going to play largely to to see what he can do. Fair. And continue seeing. They that didn't. Out. They didn't in um, the season finale last year. They 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 no, sat a bunch of people. Yeah. Right, I agree. And I, and I, and it, yeah. And so, <laughs> but I but yeah, and, and I, but I do think like there, he's been in a lot of situations against good teams already where he's had to do something in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He's delivered. And, you know, Philly yeah. a couple times. And, and I think what you what I want to see is like some the even against the Giants, bad, bad horrible first half. But, you know, he and some of the calls were adjusted and, yeah, and actually in that and the funny thing, yeah, and the funny thing in that game, like I didn't think the game plan in the first half was different when I rewatched it than I saw it live. However, there were still things they did better in the second half called more you know, more fades, more, oh, yeah. more the mesh, all that. So that all helped him. But I also think like, what I also like about him is he does respond. And so I think that's the mark of a really good competitor that when he has a bad game, um, you know, they had, he laid, they, they had a horrible game against, against, against Buffalo and they go out and he has a really good game at Philly, you know, a game that, that he played well enough to lead them to a win. Yeah. Look, and, I mean, he did not you know, have a so, good game in his first game against Arizona, and then bounced back with a really good game against Denver. Yeah, and a comeback game, and then yeah. like even Chicago, bad game in the first half, and then was on was really good in the second half. There were a couple throws that were, of course, missed, um, but bounces back, and you know, and I know, you know, I don't. I mean, the Giants stink, but their defense is good. Yeah, well, it was so, good. It was good that day, and it was good the week before day, against Buffalo. Day, yeah, right. now now they right. well, yeah, yeah now they right. got injuries and yeah. right. Yeah, exactly exact at the time. But that's that's the other trait that I really like about him is he has that. So I think there's a lot of positives with him. And I mean, I haven't seen. Uh, I mean, he's as good as they've had. Now I will say, like Alex Smith was a different quarterback. So I mean, different. Yeah, you know, he wasn't going to throw it around and pass regularly for 300 yards. He was a pure. He was a very good manager, strong leader, smart player, and that's why they were six and three when he was healthy. Um, so he's not the same kind of passer that Howell was. Right. But Howell's the best passer they've had since since Kirk left. And you know, I think he's at this stage in his career, he's further ahead than where Kirk was. Because at this stage, Kirk was throwing a lot like, of picks, uh, you know, he, throwing a lot of picks and letting it get to him. Yeah, he let him bother him, right. and that, that was the big thing. Because I remember having conversations. Oh, with, like, different personality, Davis. different personality. Right, right, right. This but guy's oblivious. Like, this guy's got super quick, short memory. Kirk, oh my goodness. Kirk, yes. Kirk would obsess over yes. the you know yes. the, the throws that he missed or the throws that he made that he shouldn't have made. Now, it helped him Correct. learn from it and become better. This guy's more like I've already said it. He's more like Flacco, like not not stylistically. Flacco could throw right. the worst ball you've ever seen that gets picked and he just comes back and makes the exact same throw that the, the next time except it's better for a touchdown. Like I've Correct. never in recent years seen a guy more oblivious to the circumstances that he's in playing the game. And I think yep. Sam's got a lot of that, you know, I think that's a, a, a I think that's a positive. 
Um, oh, it's absolutely a positive. Yeah. As long as you, as long as like Rex Grossman had that. Yeah, same. But but Rex, but <laughs> Rex threw a lot of picks, and yeah. he's like, he's just like, he couldn't help himself. Like, I've got to take this shot, man. Yeah. And it, you know, he was like a junkie looking for adrenaline shot, right? No doubt. Because it's like I've got to take these shots off field, and sometimes you're like, Rex, that wasn't a good throw. So what I what I like that I've seen from Howell lately is I, you know, especially Sunday, a lot more checkdowns. And when I look at some of the checkdowns, like. You probably could have stayed with the play longer here, but I appreciate that he's looking for that and aware of that, and it's preventing sacks and preventing negative plays, and it's not really altering his game. Like, okay, there's a couple plays here and there. It's not like, but he's still looking to take the shot, right? It's not like he's 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 not I, I gone think away from that. I I hear you, and I want to go back and watch some of those on. Some of like the, the, early on, there's a um, there's there's a first in, there's a first intent. It's the first pure dropback. I mean, they went quick, 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 and then they went you know basically under center first and ten play action. Um, and there was some pressure. He nearly threw a pick to Witherspoon. It was actually the next one. He immediately right. hit Gibson on the checkdown immediately, yeah. which it's okay. You know, it was a third and fourteen. You'd rather end up with fourth and three and punting, or fourth and three with an option, than third and twenty-three, or fourth and twenty-three and, after and, another nine-yard sack. And that's the Alex Smith aspect of the game, because that's yeah. what Alex would do. Like, he understood. He understood to manage the situation, and I think that's a big thing. And now you can go back one week, and we saw what happened against New England, where they're lucky that it didn't cost them the game that that interception at the end of the half. Like that's part of it as well. Like that's the first and ten. I don't. I still. I don't think he probably knows what he was thinking at this point, even still. So it's not like we're far removed from some of those oh, plays. Ron should have called even a timeout. Ron should have freaking called well, a timeout. And, and that may be. I, I, that that may that may be. However, that was a really really. Like, it's a bad throw. Terrible. Like, that's a bad decision. Terrible. It, it wasn't even a bad throw. It's a bad right. decision. Bad decision. And so bad everything. Yeah. And so yeah. And so but so we're not far removed. And even in the like even in the fourth quarter the other day where he throws two touchdown passes, he almost threw two picks. And well, but he didn't. And, no, and, and, yeah, the well, play the, one... the play before the Deami Brown touchdown was first of all an incredible job by him just to get a throw off yeah, under pressure. Yeah, yeah. But he did just chuck it right down the middle of the field and he was lucky Diggs yeah. didn't pick it off. And and there was yeah. there was one earlier where it was like so I think it was Witherspoon fake the blitz, drops and deflects it, but the corner's there for maybe a pick six. Yeah. But it's a, you know what it is? It's a long foul ball. That's it. Yeah. And you know, it did no harm, no foul. And then he came and makes it comes and makes throws. Every game you can say like, "Oh, this guy got away with that," right? right. It's not like it's not like the Heineke living with the horse. No, 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 no. He's got far fewer turnover worthy throws oh, than yeah, Heineke. Yeah, yeah, did. no. Yeah. He's been he's been really good with that, and that's why I say like all those things add up for me as a guy that I want to see more yeah. and do see them do more around him because I think he can play. And I I know like I don't. I know. I mean, I, I would be. I don't know why you wouldn't stick with him. It just, if, if, and I know, like, if this group is back, they would. But if you're a new group coming in, like, I'd be excited to have that guy saying, "Listen, let's build in front of him and see where else we can go with this kid." Because well, I, I think if we if we see six or five out of the <laughs> final seven games look like the last three. I think everybody will be there, me included. I know, and, I know you've got to yeah. run, but I want to really quickly ask you, because this has right. been 
to me, you know, and I, I, I went and I watched Ron yesterday. I watched you guys with Ron yesterday pick apart on the defense, try to get some answers. I don't think you guys got any answers because it's Ron, nope. you know, and Ron speaks Ronnie's. And, and, it, and it bothered me that, you know, he went to these turnovers and these takeaways that I don't even think there have been a lot of takeaways that they haven't gotten. I mean, like he acted no. like there were all these plays that they've had right there, but they haven't gone their way. Other than the Duran Payne near pick on the deflection by Tuhill, was there another turnover th- that they had in their hands that I, don't, I couldn't remember one? Anyway. Not that, I, not that I can remember, and I haven't finished watching the defense at yeah. talk. Um, so... Um, I so I I, ha, like, I don't remember those. I know like in previous games there been there certainly have happened. Like I mean we saw Manuel Forbes like against yeah. New England where he, he had one and you could call, they could Fuller, have called you know, fully fuller on a touchdown to DJ Moore almost had one that could have gone the right, other way. Right. So um, right. But, so we've seen that. I don't remember from last week and uh, I what I remember is they just they allow these big plays. So and, that's and what I want to ask you about. Ends, why are these big plays happening against them this year in such big numbers? Specifically why? I'm going to ask you that when we come back. We need to take a break, uh, but when we come back, John continues, and we'll see what his answer is to why has this defense given up the big play as often as they have all year long. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This segment, as we continue with our good friend John Kime from ESPN, is brought to you by our friends at Due South in Navy Yard, who have a great Thanksgiving option for you. How does apple cider, brine, smoked turkey, cornbread stuffing, shallot, and thyme gravy sound right now? Well, Thanksgiving's right around the corner, and Due South in Navy Yard is going to make your holiday way easier. Their home-cooked dinner packages can serve two up to 200 and will serve as a delicious, easy, crowd-pleasing option for your big day. So don't feel like cooking this year? Give them a shout, check out their menu, and learn more at DueSouthDC.com. All right, we continue with John, and I want to talk specifically about these big plays on defense. What is the issue? Like the ch- the chunk play, the explosives—that is the issue this year. They're giving yeah. up way too many of those, and no one out there has specifically explained why. The only thing I've mentioned, and maybe you have too, on your pod or you know in your column, is they've played more man coverage this year than they yeah, played they last year. 
Um, but w- w- you guys tried to get it out of Ron yesterday, and he just started to speak Ronese, and there was no translator there for it. So why have they been so vulnerable to the big play this year, which has really crushed them on defense? It has. Now, I will say, like, over the last four years, they have given up over, like, the 25-yard or more longer pass plays. They're one of the tops in the league. Last year, the reason why I was optimistic for this defense this year, because last year, after they benched William Jackson, right. got used to the zone match, they went from being one of the worst teams in, the, in those kind of plays to one of the best. Right. And, you know, it, and it's, it was over eight or nine games. So it wasn't like a small sample size for them. It was a really good job. And the zone match were playing well. Earlier this year, I heard like when some of the guys were having a harder time with some of the zone match principles. And you're right, they've gone to a little bit more man. More man. And you can say, like, sometimes, Kevin, and to me, like, to me, it's always the details, right? And what does that mean? Like, so sometimes, for example, and I like Benjamin St. Juice, so and I'm going to pick on I him do, a minute. I but do I will too. Say, I, I like him, and I think he can play in this league. It's always about how are you, how do you best use a guy. And so there have been sometimes like the Chicago game, for example. So if you remember, like one of the first big plays where the little the sail route where the guy goes in and you know you turn your head in, corner bites, you turn back out, and it's a, it's a long pass play. Right. So on that one, he said that he talked about how like, and I know this because like you have inside help there, so you play to your help. You want to be on the on the outside hip, right? Well, he was too far inside trying to be aggressive and making a play. He was overly aggressive. So, okay, you do that. Well, then the same thing happened against New England. Now, it's a fourth and three. The guy's open. Mac Jones just doesn't hit him. And I know for them, because I even asked, I asked both Ron Rivera and then Del Rio last week, does that concern you that while they didn't hit these, that they were available? And they're like, well, no, because they didn't hit them. Like, and every week there are plays available that you don't get. Right. So, but to me, it was troubling because it's a consistent pattern for them. So, but the point I'm bringing up is that he played it the same way he did in the Chicago game, which is getting really aggressive inside and getting beat outside. And they're lucky, they're fortunate it didn't happen. So there's details like that. There's missed tackles. Percy Butler in that same game, you have, first of all, it starts with Jamin Davis not filling his gap quick enough, and, and it was a little stunned up in the middle. He's supposed to be in that gap. That's mistake number one, detail. Then Butler, you know, he, he actually had a nice game the other day until he missed a tackle, right. um, but, yeah. which is part of the game. I get it. But then on, against, the, against the Patriots on that touchdown, the angle that you take is off, and so you allow him to stay outside. Well, you need to get him to cut back inside where you still have help coming, and if you do, instead of a 64-yard touchdown, it's a 10-yard game. Right. Jack called so it capping it off. You know, he, call, he describes right. so it as capping so it off. So yeah. Right. So it's the wrong angle. Sometimes, so like it's, sometimes with Forbes, it was the eyes. Where are your eyes, right? Um, sometimes, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's like sometimes um, A.J. Brown makes a one-handed catch, and there's what are you going to do? Um, so like there's always a number of things, but I, to me, like some of this goes back to details. And then, I mean, shoot, you know, were they getting enough production from the defensive line? And the answer is no. And, and so we see what's happened there. And, and so I think it's a combination of factors. You know, I mean, Butler is a young player. I think he, you know, can he get, how much better will he get? I don't know. But that, you know, that's part, is that, is that part of the equation uh, for them? I just think that after a while, though, for a fan, you don't want to hear that because it's been like that for a few years, by and large. Like, Not yeah, except, year, except it, last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like last year, they were top ten in yards and points, and 
you can say, well, that wasn't, they weren't that good. Well, okay, but that means that you have to look at every team in that top 10 that way. And so they were, they, you know, are they, were they one of the best defense leagues? Maybe not, but they certainly weren't one of the worst. And they are now. Well, they and were. Th- I the think they were a legitimate good. by most of the advanced they metrics. Team. They were. They yeah. were right there as a top ten defense by last me- year with the way they only, played. But not only by advanced metrics, but by people in the league that you would talk. And, and, and by yeah, and by watching them. Now, the thing that yeah. we the thing that we didn't like about last year's defense was there weren't enough takeaways, and that was Correct. apparently one of the reasons they drafted Emmanuel right. Forbes. And, so, and I think that's then it goes back to that he has not. Doesn't mean he won't, but to date, he has not paid off the way they had hoped. Well, they're playing too much man coverage for him. He likes I eyes mean, on the, you know, he likes eyes on the backfield, eyes on the quarterback. Guys who turn the ball, guys who turn the ball over, guys who get takeaways, it's usually with the eyes. Yeah, now, exactly. The problem for the, the hard part for that he's had is there sometimes where he's you know where I know they felt like you know he's trying to bait guys a little bit too much into throws. Well, you can do that in college more than you can do in the NFL. Right. It's just it's harder to do that in the NFL because these guys are really good, and so that's but that's like that's his learning curve. And it wasn't like every big play was Emmanuel Ford's fault. The Philly game that's that was those were on him, right? He was a part of all those for those big plays. And so, again, the details like in in a cover two, you've got to give the guy more of a you have to miss the re- reroute. Yeah much stronger than he did on the one play. And that the reason why, because then it disrupts the timing, but allows the safety to get over the top. And so you, that's how helping your teammate is. And you know, on the same play where they threw it to Brown, you have Kendall Fuller on the other side rerouting a guy physically. right? And so I saw, I saw Forbes do that early in the game. He just didn't do it on that play. So that it's the consistency of the details. To me, that's been a part of the breakdown. And then after that, I can't explain it because – I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I have to can't wait. I can't wait to see how they cover. I can't wait to see how they cover the Dolphins in a few weeks. Um, uh, uh, it's yeah. it, it's funny because you said it, and I agree with you. Like I watch St. Juice, and I'm like, I think he's a starting corner in this league. Yeah, I think he is. He's, he may not be a starting one, but. You know, the throw to Lockett for the touchdown is just a great throw. You know, Gino had some fucking great throws down the stretch oh, like yeah, Al did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But the other part of it is, why is he playing outside leverage on third and four against Metcalf? I don't I don't get that. But what, what right, do I know? I think, yeah. Well, yeah, see, on that one, though, like, are you talking on the fourth and five one? No, 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 third and four on the on the field goal drive. Oh, oh, the tw- yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, and I know, like for them, he's playing. He's got inside help, and so yeah, there wasn't you know, there wasn't enough inside it, help. No, there wasn't, and so I, you know, and I don't, like, I haven't talked to him about that play, but I know the fourth and five, like he's anticipating a corner route on yeah. that one, and so he's playing that, and then you had F. A. Obata dropping into the slant lane and trying to take that away, but Gino was able to pump and then get allow Metcalf to run further inside, and Obata stayed a little bit wide. I'm not blaming him, it's just what happened. Yeah. And it created the opening for him, and then there was a pass interference. So, you know, and that was a legit call. So, um, you know, that's, but that was a good play by Gino, and then Metcalf is just a big dude. But, yeah, no, it's, so it's, all, it's, all, it's everything, Kevin, and it's not just, it's certainly not on, on St. Juice. I like him, too, but those are some of the issues that you've seen when you talk about the consistency of the details. Yeah. It's, it's that. Sure. Right? It's, and it's not just him, but those are ones that are very vivid in my head because I talk to him about it. You know, and I, like, I like talking to him because 
he can explain why and what he learned and what he needs to do. And he's really insightful like that. And I, so I like guys like that. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, would have been, I mean, I, I, I really wanted them to win Sunday. Like, it's the first time since, like, the Buffalo game. Like, the Buffalo game was interesting because they were 2-0, and and I'm like, all right, I-, I-, I think they got a shot in this game. And can you imagine if they actually beat the Bills in are 3-0? and And then Sunday, I really thought going in they had a chance, and if they'd come out of that with a win somehow, and they didn't, and they didn't deserve to, um, you know, because they weren't good enough on defense. But there would have been a completely different conversation about this team had oh, they, you know, much had they come that out. That was a game changer. Yeah, that was a game changer to me because if you want to think about the playoffs, you had to win that game, regardless of what happens beyond the playoffs. Yeah. For this group to make it, clearly they wanted to make it. You know, whether it's the players or the coaches, it doesn't. You know, fans can feel however they want. It doesn't mean anybody's guaranteed to come back or go, right? But you want it. Like, you want them, you want to, they, they want to see themselves in the playoffs. But to do that, you had to win that game because now you have Dallas twice, Miami, San Francisco. Yeah. You're going to have to win well, a couple of those games and then make sure you beat the, 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 the Rams and the Jets, possibly with Rodgers. Uh, you know, and, it gets to, and they have a really good defense. So who knows? Yeah. And so I think that's why, like, the other day was a huge, huge game for them to just. You know, to avoid to to really put yourself in a position where you can legitimately say, "Hey, now you have a chance to do it." Doesn't mean like if they win the next two, they beat Dallas on Thanksgiving. Okay, then you can look at it differently. I think this Thanksgiving Day game against Dallas, John, is actually going to be one of the more interesting games of the season from this standpoint. And they've got a couple of these left. It's going to be the first really solid defense they have faced in a while. You mentioned the Giant defense. On that particular day, with what the Giants had, they actually were a pretty good defensive team. Uh, They had just held Buffalo basically scoreless in three quarters on the Sunday night prior to it. But Dallas is a bona fide top 10 defense. And that's not what Seattle was, not what New England was with their injuries, not what Philly was has been this year, and they're going to get that with Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. And by the way, they're going to get that with the Jets on Christmas Eve. They will get that with the 49ers on whenever they play them. I think it's New Year's Eve. So there are three you know, top 10 defenses, actually in the case of the 49ers and the Jets, top five defenses left on their schedule, which will be, you know, good um, measuring games for Sam in this offense as well. I'm looking forward to those games. And here's the thing: I actually expect them to play well against those teams. I do. I do. I do too. I think, and that's where I say, like, I think it is a good measuring stick. I hate that phrase. I mean, not as so much as a team, but for Howell's development, right? It's a good because it is a they have a good pass rush, and you know, it's. It, but I think it, they have a chance. Like he has a chance to go back and kind of reestablish yourself in front of a national audience, too, because he has been playing well. And the last time people saw saw this team was was the Bears game, and which did not go well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I think that – and they have played pretty – I mean, they beat them last year. So, you know, and they, I don't see any – like, I think it should be a – I would think it's a good game. The thing that all that, – well, the thing that, like, even last week against Seattle, I, I thought they offensively do fairly well against them. But it was always a defense, and like I, until you, I don't trust the defense. They give up too many big plays, 
and now you're looking at teams that have big play guys. Right. And so Seattle's got big play guys. Seattle's got big play guys. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's why I didn't pick them to win last week because I was afraid of the big plays with the. I yeah. picked him to win, and I bet him on the money line. So I was really upset when it ended. All right, uh, great job. Per yeah. usual, uh, John gives us much more time than a- anticipated. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Kevin. John underscore Kime, everybody, on Twitter. John's got a podcast as well. You can get that wherever you get a podcast. All right, done uh, for the day. Back tomorrow with Tommy, who's doing the Monday-Wednesday schedule this week.